This episode is brought to you by marketing consulting firm, the Bonafide Lyrics and Marketing, LLC, where creativity meets business. You can check us out at www.theblm.com for more information on how we help local artists and creatives maximize their business presence. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. It's the All Love. No Fear Podcast. Hey. It's the All Love. No Fear Podcast. Check us out. It's the All Love. Oh, No Fear Podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All Love. Oh, No Fear Podcast. Hey. Hey. We are here with the season three, episode three. All love, no fear podcast. All love, no fear podcast. Yes, we we are here. We are here, as Mark said. We're Um, ready to do some potting in these here streets. We are here for the podcast. Word to be. Bars, vocals, get into it. All right. How you doing? I'm great. Those were not my best vocals, by the way. I don't want everybody, anybody to think that that's, <laughs> that's what I can do because that's not it. I'm way better than that. That's just, you know, my gravelly late night. I've been talking all day. This, this is what you get. Okay. That's right. But I promise you it's much better than that. I promise. No doubt. Oh, sugar honey iced tea. How are you feeling? What's happening with you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to pod. That's what I'm ready to do. Who's ready to do some potting? We're ready to do some potting. Joe Budden and them should have never made that a song because now it's stuck in my head. Okay. So that's, was that, what was that? <laughs> I'm like, is it going somewhere? Are we getting a song? Nah, just as a response. Like, where are we gotta, going? Gotta kick a beat. All right, shout out to the people. We didn't on Spotify. need that. We didn't need that. <laughs> shout out to people not. on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Shout out to people on Google Podcasts. On our website. On Himalayas. On Podbean. Podbean. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Uh, uh, to, we have shout out to tune you. In? Just shout out to you wherever you are. Um, shout out to you. I don't understand why you did the pastor shout out to you, but okay, <laughs> like it just it felt shout very pastory. Out to you. Felt very Sunday morning. That shout out to you. Um, yeah, shout out to all the people who are listening, all the people who are at home, who are listening as they're driving, who may be back in the office and listening to this while you're working. Um, to all the people who are unemployed, underemployed, uh, shout out to you. We just thank you for including us in your daily activities. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, we're on the socials, All Love No Fear podcast. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have Facebook as well. Word. Um, on yes. Facebook. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's where we are. So find us, like our page, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, yeah, bring some more people to the Fearless Fam. Nami. Word. So I'm just going to go ahead and apologize right now because um, we're recording kind of late at night. And I'm a little sleepy. I haven't slept all day. <laughs> I haven't taken any type of nap. So if my speech is a little delayed, it's because I'm sleepy. So I just want you to know that from now. I'm not drunk. I'm not on drugs. I'm just sleepy. Okay? You own that sleep. I would like to get there. But, you know, 
managing my life like an adult is hard sometimes. So here I am in this predicament at night late recording a podcast because, you know, I tried to be out in them streets. Shouts to the sis Veronica. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Veronica. And, and, and. Happy birthday, Veronica. Veronica Cheeseboro. Yeah. So part of why we are recording this podcast a little late is because we were turning up a little bit with Veronica for her birthday. And on so our, on our regular recording date. Yes. And so, you know, now we had to push things back. A different date. And, you know, just life, you know, but it was all for a good, a good, a good cause. We would gladly postpone our recording schedule for the good sis veronica so yeah she's awesome yeah she's awesome sauce so she yeah was the highlight last 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 week so yes she is awesome yes yes kudos to the good sis so yeah we are here and we are gonna get this pod started Word. um yeah so we're in mid-august and uh school has started back for some people mm-hmm. um i've seen the videos of the kids in zoom school it looks really struggling um, might don't make it. I feel bad for the students and the parents of the students. Honestly, man, I saw this video somebody posted on Facebook. The kids is in the uh, in the class doing the um, I'm a savage challenge, and the teacher's like, uh uh-uh, uh, sit down. I'm not coming here to watch you do no dance. And while she's talking, the, another a student gets up again and starts, and she's like, sit down, sit down. I said. Miss Baxter's over the school year. She's tired. Y'all done came in here on day one with this foolishness. Ms. Baxter's tired. She is tired. Yes. I'm like, don't y'all come, these students come and do y'all teachers like that. <laughs> leave, them, leave them teachers alone. They ain't even want to come here. They don't want to be at their house on no Zoom fool out line with you. Yeah. And she, then you she, over she here giving savage remix dance. And, leave, them, leave them people alone. Yeah. Because the parents are out here doing their own thing. They, they don't have time. Right. They're like, listen, I put the kid on the computer. I did my part. Um, whatever happens after that is Miss Baxter's problem. That don't have nothing to do with me. Word. So, you know, shouts out to all the people who are going, who are back in school. Shouts out to all the people who are going back to school. Shout out to all the teachers um, who are preparing to, to teach the kids God knows what in this new era of online school and hybrid school. It's, it's, it's just a cluster of shenanigans. Word all across the place but just you know just 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 stay prayed up y'all because it's it's wild out here in these streets that's all yeah, i can say yeah just stay prayed up so let's get into love it or lose it hey love it or lose it hey hey hey, hey. love it or lose it love it or lose it hey 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 so for our first time listeners continuing listeners whatever the case is love it or lose it This is a segment of our podcast here where we provide some options for you and you make a decision about which one you will lose, throw away forever, never want to see again, want nothing to do with it, and which one you will love. And every week we choose a different topic or series of things to be chosen from. And this week, what came to mind was 2000s comedy specials. And this came about because Mark and I enjoy a comedy special. I think our first date, a comedy special was a part of it. We went to dinner and then we came back. First and second. Yes. And then we came back to the house and watched a comedy special. I think it was Dave Chappelle. I can't remember which one. Yeah. I think think one, one was Dave Chappelle, one was Chris Rock, honestly. That seems correct. Yeah. So 
you know, and we we love to, you know, we've been to comedy shows before. Um, we love to watch comedy specials on Netflix and stuff like that. So that's it's just a part of us. Yeah. Um, comedy specials. I knew he was like a keeper when I realized that he liked comedy specials because because they are hilarious. Because I used to watch BET Comic View back in the day like nobody's business. I used to get my key on. Okay. <laughs> Get my key on because we, we we have kind of the same humor. I think that's why it works. Yeah. I was like, oh, he laughs at the same things I laugh at. Yeah, this is great. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was very excited about that because I'm like, one thing that's very important to me is, or you know, back when I was dating, was that the person have similar humor to me. Because if I got to explain the joke, then it's not funny anymore, and you're just you're not for me. So we we like comedy we like comedy specials and you know so that's why i chose this one so 2000s comedy special these are comedy specials that are anywhere from i don't know 10 to 20 years old um by comedians that people would argue are in the canon of classic timeless comedians um, and these are all of them have done multiple specials, but these are specials that like I can specifically pinpoint like whole sketches from and can quote some of them. And I know that you've seen all of these specials. So okay. um, here goes 2000s comedy special, love it or lose it edition. So um, the four options are kill the messenger by Chris Rock. Seriously funny by Kevin Hart. Okay, I was like, kill the messenger was like, Right before Barack got elected. Yes, yes. Seriously mm-hmm. funny by Kevin Hart. Okay. That was the one with, you know, Miss Green mm-hmm. and Big Kevin mm-hmm. on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Killing Them Softly, Dave Chappelle. And Pimp Chronicles Part 1 by Cat Williams. Part 1. Yes. Where he's wearing the green yeah. the no, green jacket. I know, I know what that was. Yeah. So those are your four choices for your comedy special, Love It or Lose It. And again, I chose these because... I know Kevin Hart is a debatable comedian for a lot of people, but that special was, I would argue, his funniest special of all of them. Yeah, that, that, that was his um, defining moment. Yes. So that's why I included it um, yeah. in this listing. So, um, yeah, this is hard because I loved all of these specials. I, can, I have quotables for each one of them, and I feel like I can still watch all of them to this day and kiki like it's my first time hearing it. So uh, I guess, Mark, what's your... Uh, What's your, what's your lose it here? That is hard. I told you it was hard. <laughs> I told you that before we started recording. I told you it was hard. <laughs> it's hard for both to love it and lose it. It's hard for yeah. Both. Um, kill the messenger. Kill them softly. Seriously funny. Pimp Chronicles Part Pimp One. Chronicles Part One. You know what's? This, this is going crazy. If I did it in early 2000s, I wouldn't have chosen this one. Okay. But, but with, with 20 one, years of potential retrospect. I don't know if it's, um, it would hold up the same now mm-hmm. if I heard it right now. Okay. As much as the other three would. I'm not okay. saying it's not funny. Okay. But I'm not sure if it will hold up the same now Okay, as it would, as it was at that time. Because... Because like all, all, all four of them had defining moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to pick Pimp Chronicles. <sighs> and I, the reason why I'm saying that because it defined a moment. Mm-hmm. It defined a lot of moments. And like we, it was a lot of quotables. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of things that were said that were, that were great for what it was saying. Um, I remember laughing at a lot of the quotables. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and everything, but I'm not sure if that came out right now, I would be laughing the same. Right. Okay. But I feel like the other ones, if they came out right now, I would still be laughing the same. Okay. That's why I say that. It was good for the time. I don't know if it was timeless. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cat Williams had a run. Yes, he did. But I don't know if he is a all-time comic. Yeah, and apparently he has a some something out he's doing with Supreme. I saw it on um, a clip of it on Instagram. I have to find it. Yeah. Uh, and watch the whole thing, but it looked like he was commenting on. Uh, yeah, you you can have social a, issues, but with a Takashi six nine wig on. Yeah, you, um, I was you, a little confused, but I gotta watch it for the context. So I yeah, can understand. like you you can have you can have a great run and be great at a certain time, but not be timeless. Mm-hmm. But that I don't want to discredit his great run. Right, because he had a great run. Um, he had a great couple of specials that people were going for all the time. He, yeah. he had a great run. Um, I was I was trying to relate it to music, <laughs> um, but like like for instance, um, no one can discredit like Jaru or Nelly's run. No, but they I don't know, but like they're just not good at all times. Mm-hmm. They're not good at every at every instance they were in. <laughs> right, but they had great runs. Indeed, and I don't want to ever discredit their runs. Right. I understand. I understand. I understand. <laughs> they had great runs. It's just I don't know if the climate wasn't the way it was when they released it, would they be as popular? Right. In which the other ones, the other, and the same thing with the, with the um, comedy specials, I think if the other ones were all released mm-hmm. now, it would still work. Okay. I disagree. Just, I feel like Pimp Chronicles Part 1 could still work to this day i feel like i still i literally have thought to myself it's called esteem of your mf and self how i f up how you feel about you i literally have had that i literally thought that like two days ago correct like Like, literally it's true that thought crossed my mind and i i use the quote all the time don't nobody say the same thing about 20 about you for 20 years i say it all the time i got i feel like that to me is still there's still many parts of it that are there, applicable there, there are many parts to I now like, i feel like the other ones have more parts okay there there are many parts i'm okay. not saying there are okay um i think i'm i'm struggling i'm struggling because what i feel like i want to lean to for the lose it i may be judged harshly for like what um I my lose it is Chris Rock killed the messenger. I am a guest. I know. I'm sorry. How dare um, you? How dare you? I I said what I said. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> kill the messenger is iconic how to me. Dare you? Like, I remember watching it. I remember getting a key on at it. But like, would I watch? Like, I'm just looking at like the other three, and I'm like, I would watch these again if they came on TV right now. The Chris Rock one. I might tune in, but I might not be like that, you know, over the moon about it. I might watch, but like, I might not be as into it. The other ones I would watch, like, you know, really, really hard. (laughs) And I feel, I feel bad about saying this, but you you know why I appreciate Killer Messenger? Why? Because it was literally his last one before Barack Obama got elected. 
Yes. And then he was like, and he did no specials the whole time. He was like, <laughs> he was impressed. With he it. was like, I'm, I'm gonna just be quiet. I don't have nothing <laughs> to say. Like, he was like, I'm gonna shut up now. And I'm just gonna be quiet. I'm gonna just make some movies. I'm gonna give you girls a top five. And that's it. As soon as he got out, I was like, all right, I'm back in now. Back specials. He was like, I'm gonna respect the black man. Let the black man rock. I'm not gonna make no jokes about the black man. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Chris Rock's content and and how he lays things out is like amazing. Um, but I don't know. I just I the, the mature part of me wants to say that Pimp Chronicles is the one that should go. But my heart tells me <laughs> the mature one part. Of yes, you. the mature part of me. All right, you know what? I'm a backpedal. Fine, I'm gonna be mature in this moment. Pimp Chronicles would be. No, I'm, I'm lying. I'm not gonna get up here and lie. Um, kill. I stand by what I said. Chris Rock killed the messenger. <laughs> that would be my loser. Because I, I I would be telling the whole life. I said I would get rid of Cat Williams and Pimp Chronicles. Like. I have a special place in my heart for Cat Williams, despite his varying issues and just craziness in general. Uh, I have a special place in my heart for Cat Williams. Um, did y'all see, you You remember that clip from like, was it last year or the year before where he was on that radio show roasting that lady for her life and she was trying to roast him and wasn't succeeding? I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Like that was just, he's so quick-witted. So yeah, I think, you know, this was not an easy decision, but uh, Chris Rock killed the messenger is my lose it. What is your, and these are all hypotheticals. In, in a perfect world, I would never get rid of any of them. But, you know, we got to create some challenging content for the people. So what's your love it, Mark? Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Killing him softly. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think it's killing him softly. Um, I, 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 I remember that special vividly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember I, we, I quoted that special way, way more than I should have that's fine way more than I should have that's fine I, oh, I bet you did I quoted the heck out of that special I'll bet you did yeah like it was I, I cause like I think it was um, it was in the middle was it I think it was in the middle of it was right after season two it came out or at right between season one and season two. Okay. Because it, it was in the midst of his show. Okay. That it came out. So like it was it was while he he was on. Our, I like I like his special before that probably more. Which one was, was younger? that one? Wait, you said killing them softly. Yes, killing them softly. No, I'm thinking about the other one. I'm sorry. I'm talking about I'm, I'm thinking about for what it's worth. Okay. Um, killing them softly was his greatest special though. I I think so too. I I like I still go back and watch that one repeatedly, yeah. even though it's like legitimately almost twenty years old. Because it came out. No, it is twenty years old. Yeah, it came out in two thousand. So yeah, it's legit twenty years and, old. In but my I still, mind, when you're talking, I thought I, I was thinking about the um, for what it's worth when you said it. Okay. Because I'm because you said early two thousands. I, I I thought killing himself was somehow late ninety nine. But no, it came out in two thousand. Okay. Um. Hmm. What's my love it? My love it. My love it. My love it. Um. I feel like I would go with killing them softly as well, because it's just there's a lot of timeless uh content in in that special, and I I absolutely sit and watch it like I've never seen it before, and I feel like Dave Chappelle just has a way of like delivering jokes that's just like it it. It's 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 a one one of one thing. Like I feel like only he can really do it the way he does it, and it's just excellent to just go back and watch his stuff and watch how it's aged. Um, I think 
it's really awesome. So I think with you, I'm with you on killing them softly. I'm not going front. I did give a serious consideration to seriously funny. I really did. Seriously funny was good. Like um, the way that black people were quoting seriously funny for yeah. like a year and a half. Like, whoa, big cab on the bus. Pineapples. Yeah, it was good. Like Kill Him Softly, they quote it a lot longer though. Huh? <laughs> they quoted that for way longer. Well, I don't they, they, they quote it way longer without social media. Okay. Cause I <laughs> like when I saw that Because Seriously Funny had social media. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously Funny had social media. It did. Kill Him Softly was was crazy. Sans social media. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I lived here when Killing Them Softly came out, so like I wasn't I wasn't hip to the yeah to the quotable like people using the quotables and stuff like That's that. What I'm saying. Like, it was crazy. Sans that. Yeah, yeah. So, like I remember me being in college and I didn't go to college to tell them three we were quoting we were quoting seriously um Killing Them Softly. That's crazy. We were calling it then, and then when when his um when his special came out. Second special came out, we were like, ah! That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I... Because Seriously Funny came out what year? To, uh, 2000 and... I want to say, like, 11? Hold on. 2010. 2010, okay. Yeah, that was... The social media was, was, was out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was in the midst of the social media. So, like... And social media had a, had a good... Helped them a lot with that. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not disconnect this... Pushing away, but yeah, seriously funny was funny before like, social media had a had was able to push it, <laughs> right? Right. You you had to just watch it on HBO. <laughs> yeah, that was that was all you had. You had to go go and watch it when it came out. I don't even remember how I saw it, but however it was, I I keyed. Yeah. When he was telling that story we about we about to going to school, yeah. Miss Green like sent me. Sent me. Yeah. Like, get, it's still funny. To I think you had to see it at one comedy special at the right time. Yeah, I think it might have come on, and we were like, okay, it's coming on this yeah. time. Let's sit down and watch. That, that, that's how you had to do it. Yeah, so. there was no Netflix. There was no. Well, no. I mean, Netflix existed, but not like that. No, not. not Netflix like that. was you, they Wait, mailed in, you DVDs. In 2000? No. No, I'm talking about. Are you talking about Dave Chappelle or are you talking about Kevin Hart? Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Definitely not. No, you just. It was like. It's on Comedy Special, Comedy Central this time. Go watch it. Right. <laughs> if you miss it, it, if you don't have TiVo or whatever yep. the DVR was at the time, then well, on. I guess you got to wait till next time. With, with that mindset, it was still the funniest thing on TV. <laughs> Correct. 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 So that, that's why that's why that's why that's my love it. Okay, Coolio. We'll love to hear your suggestions or thoughts about this week's Love It or Lose It. You can. Connect with us on the Instas, on the Twitters, on the Facebooks. You might be upset with me when I lost Pim Chronicles, but you'll be all right. I'm I'm aghast, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, um, you know. Bird. I'm sure people are aghast with me for saying um, kill the messenger. So, I mean, whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm still aghast, actually. Whatever. I said what I said. And I'm taking it back. Uh, shouts to uh, Meek Mill. Um, yeah. So that was our love it or lose it. Uh, so yeah, we love welcome your opinions and all that jazz. Lose it. Love it or lose it. Love it or lose it. Yeah, love, love it, it or lose it. it. Hey, 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 love it or lose it. Hey, love it or lose it. Hey, 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 hey. hey, hey. All right, so. Let's get into our topic for today. Coming to you live and direct from Mark Metapoetic Bennett. 
So, our topic. Um, so, the good friend, Michaela Beeman. Shouts out to MJB. Michaela Beeman um, sent us, sent me, well, both of us. Both of us, yes. Both of us um, a message from this uh, Instagram group called Your Favorite Heretics. Very heretic. And, like, it was like church trauma can look like. And it gave a bunch of different things. And I wanted to have a conversation about it. I guess instead of reading them off, I guess we can go piece by piece. Sure. And go over that way. Sure. So basically, it's going over a lot of different things that um, I think it's always important to look at internal mm-hmm. um, about what you, what you might be a part of, number one. Uh-huh. And number two, the, the, the structure of the um, churches you're in and see what if what you're doing is contributing to someone else's trauma. Um, okay. And I, I, I always have to look at myself with that, <laughs> with that, and I have to make sure that I'm not contributing to someone else's trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to uh, keep a certain standard or trying to, I have to be mindful of someone else. Right. Right. So there's different topics, and we'll go over, we'll go over a little, um, each one as we go through it. And just want to know, I guess we'll just talk about it as we go. Yes. So, for instance, the first one, and they 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 um they have a topic head, and then they go under it about what the trauma can look like for it. For instance, first topic: sexual misconduct. The trauma looks like men men manipulating women's emotions as a form of sexual or relational gain. Two: sexual abuse. If a man or a woman uses their spiritual status to be sexual, that is also sexual abuse. Hmm. Three, someone stalking, over texting, trying to meet up at church constantly, you, and won't take no for an answer, convinced God has destined you to. Okay. And basically it's, it it becomes church trauma because basically like you're utilizing church as a gateway to give someone trauma feels if like if I don't do this <laughs> then it's going I'm going to lose out with God I have to like look into it because you, you people are utilizing Christ utilizing the church as a platform for mm-hmm. sexual misconduct yes and you know we all have heard stories of people who like especially people who are in church heavily and who are looking to find a mate in church we've all heard stories of people saying oh this person came to me and said god told me you're my wife or you're my husband blah 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 blah. we've heard those stories and it's like not ever think we we, i think like when we hear it we kind of laugh it off excuse me like oh that's crazy like god didn't tell me that why would you say that but we've never looked at it through the lens of that's actually you know sexual misconduct or inappropriate in some way we just kind of look at it as oh this person's press they're doing too much but you know framing it this way kind of makes it a little more alarming and i think we kind of try to dismiss it a lot but it's like it's actually a lot a lot more alarming than we think and i think a lot of us don't think stuff like this happens in the church, but it really does. Like, you know, the sexual abuse, you know, I've, I've definitely heard of situations where, you know, 
pastors, elders, deacons, people in those kinds of positions that people sort of look up to that have some kind of power kind of use that to manipulate members into sexual relationships with them. And like, I'm always just like, how y'all playing God face like that? Like, how do you do that kind of stuff? But then show up at church and want to preach and teach it. Bruh, is God not scary? Do y'all not read the Old Testament? Yeah, yeah. God was out here flooding whole earths and burning things down. Like, why y'all, why y'all playing? Yeah, and like, like it just it just boggles my mind. Like, I can't understand how people do stuff like that and then purport to be preachers and teachers and leaders. If you want to live wild, live wild, but don't live wild almost publicly, and then want to come on, in church on a Sunday and like preach and teach and, and talk about what people shouldn't be doing. Like, huh? Yeah. How does that work, sir? Yeah. Or ma'am. Please and, explain. And be, keep in mind, this doesn't mean that if in your mind you're saying God might call this person to me or I might be supposed to be this person. That the, the sexual misconduct is when you're like trying to overly text or trying to mute with them con- um, constantly and rejecting their, hey, stay away. Yes. Or rejecting their no's or rejecting right. that because you're saying no, God has something for you and like you, you keep... You keep you keep pressing the situation. You keep pressing the situation outside of who they are and trying to make them feel bad, right? For not wanting to talk to you, right? Because if God told you, God should have told them too. Yes, that is that's exactly true. If he, if he didn't tell both of y'all, someone's lying. Yeah, you gotta tell both of you at the same time, right? That's if right. he didn't, someone someone's not telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, what was the next one? Um, sin watching. Told your sin was hindering you from experiencing God told it created a stronghold for the devil slash demons to enter into your life fear guilt felt guilt fear shame or self-hatred for sin because church hyper focused on it um i never thought about that in that way um but it's true like yes sin is something that is displeasing to god it's something that separates us from god but there are some Christians who definitely believe that we need to talk about sin in every sermon. We can't talk about nothing else. We can't talk about God's love. We can't talk about God's goodness. We can't talk about God's grace. We can't talk about nothing else. All we got to do is sit in church every Sunday and at every prayer meeting and every Bible study and talk about sin. And it's like, okay, I get it. I'm a sinner saved by great. Like how, how many times I got to go over this is I know, I know. And the fact that there are, church communities that where if we're all supposed to be sinners why do people feel like it's okay to point to another person's sin and tell them your sin is why you're not experiencing god in a real way or your sin is the reason that your life is in in shambles or your your sin is the reason that um and first of all how y'all know about um do you know what a stronghold is? Like, I feel like that's another term that people misuse and they're, they're not at all using in the right context, but how are you, how do you know that a person's sin or sins is the reason that there's some demonic attack or whatever you want to call it going on in their life? How, you know, who told you? Correct. So this is not saying a preacher talking about things that happen. Right. This is not what we're saying. What we're saying is you looking at somebody and saying, oh, you, you, number one, pointing out someone's sin. Right. Watching someone's sin and saying that sin is why this is happening. That this is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you don't know. 
<laughs> you don't even know. You don't, you don't know. Um, no matter how much you can say, like, no, it's obvious. It's never obvious. <laughs> so I think that 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 is the whole thing. You you you're a sin watching the person point you out, point out the sin, and going with that. Right. Meanwhile, you a whole sinner yourself. Correct. Because don't the Bible say we all sinners? Stop watching some my sin. Mm-hmm. Stop, Stop watching sin watching. Where about yourself? Yeah. All right. Next one. Obsession with spiritual gifts and warfare. If someone, if something bad happens to you, then it's probably a spiritual attack. Watching or number two, watching or reading things like Harry Potter will invite the demonic into your life. Number three, told tongues and prophecy are for all believers and felt less than for not experiencing that. Number four, felt uncomfortable or pressured to worship in an outwardly expressive way. All right. <sighs> this is, this is, I think this is the part of this that made me sigh the most. Like the deep, the deep sighs. Yeah. Maybe this and, and one of the other ones made me be like, you know what? Um, I don't want to do this anymore, guys. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> We got to stop using things like spiritual attack all willy-nilly. Like, sometimes life is life and it happens. Sometimes I just messed up. Sometimes, yeah, some, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I, I really I, just made... Just me. Yeah, me. I made a bad decision. <laughs> I made a wrong turn. And this is the end result of it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that spiritual warfare is not a real thing. I'm not saying that demonic attacks aren't real. I'm not saying none of that. I'm not saying that none of that is real. I believe that it all is and it all has a place. But, you know, if I stub my toe on the edge of the bed, I, I, I stub my toe on the end of the bed. Like, it, it was me. I was looking. It was me. I wasn't looking. I wasn't paying attention. I, I stubbed my toe. Like, it's not, I, I, I just, I don't know how people live life that way, where everything, every little minuscule, like, regular everyday life thing becomes a spiritual warfare, demonic attack kind of conversation. Yeah, like, because... Number one, it takes responsibility from yourself. Right. Like, you, you messed up. You did something wrong, and this is the consequence for what you did. Right. This is the reaction to what you did. It's not always the devil right. coming for you. Right. <laughs> like, sometimes you just you just did X and Y happened and Y was bad, and, you know, it's a learning moment. Like, yeah. it's not necessarily that serious, but I think, yeah. you know, I, I like what you said about taking the responsibility off of you because I feel like a lot of times... Christianity, what we what we're taught and what we're told is to like cast our burdens on Jesus because he cares for us and, you know, to, you know, take off, take off our heavy burdens and, and to just really, you know, put our life in God's hands. That all that is fine. All that's correct. But that doesn't mean that suddenly everything is is now on someone else and you don't have any role to play in anything that happens. So it's like, why can't, why is, why can't we just like take the responsibility for the parts we play in things? Why is everything a demonic attack? Why can't it just be a series of bad decisions that was made and this is where we are? Why can't it be that? Like I just, just this desire to absolve ourselves of the responsibility is a little problematic to me because it's easy to blame some devil you can't see than to just say, you know what? Maybe I didn't do this right. Maybe. I mean, mean, it's not with the Harry Potter stuff. Seriously, y'all, seriously, seriously. I that's that's what I was sucking my teeth at when you first started. Yeah, because like um, pe- people keep assuming that like when you watch things, when you read things, you're just inviting the demons in your life. 
if you feel personally convicted about Harry Potter and movies and things of that nature, that is you. That is for you. That is for you. It might affect you a right. certain way. But it that does not mean that it's a blanket me. thing for everybody. Correct. There are some people like Harry Potter is is if we want to talk about spells and things, Harry Potter is not where we should start. That's all I'm saying. They're far worse. Far well, not far worse. Far more interesting places that we could delve into if we want to go down that road but like if harry potter's not for you you don't like you don't want to read it that's fine yeah this is totally your choice but let's let's pump our brakes yeah and also um told tongues and prophecy are for all believers there's a whole chapter about that by the way yeah a whole chapter yeah um i think it's first corinthians 12 okay i'm i gotta check to confirm um there's a whole chapter about hey speaking tongues is not for everybody and right, it, it literally says, says it in the Bible. Yeah, it says it's, it says actually probably those exact words. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody. Everybody should not be doing it. One gift is for each person. Yeah, like I remember a friend of mine. I remember meeting her um, at a new members like church function, and she shared with us that the church she was going to was one of those churches that believes that you have to speak in tongues. And because she couldn't, she felt like she wasn't really saved. And I was like, people really out here teaching this? Like for real, they really making people feel like they're not saved because they can't speak in tongues. Like I, honestly, until I moved to this country, I didn't know speaking in tongues was a thing. Cause I'd never seen anyone do it. Cause the church I grew up in, in Barbados, that was not like the mode of operating during service. Like nobody did that. So I didn't even know that that was a thing that was so highly revered and such a indicator of your savedness or not until I got here. And I'm just like, who do people think they are to tell somebody that they're saved or not saved because of something that they can or can't do? Like people just be inserting themselves in a way that just is beyond my comprehension to tell somebody like what they are or aren't. Whether a person is saved or not, that's between them and Jesus. That don't have nothing to do with you like why are you in the mix there, yeah like first corinthians 12 talks about the gifts mm-hmm. and then there's another chapter look at mark knowing his bible because <laughs> i was like i know it's in there somewhere in the new testament yeah, i couldn't tell you where. i know it's first I, I read i remember i was talking i have a conversation about that before mm-hmm. and then first corinthians 14 is when they talk about how like it's better to do prophecy than to speak in tongues because it's like speaking tongues people look at you like what are you doing i have no idea what you're saying right so it's saying is don't speak like is I feel like they skipped those two chapters. Yeah. Just read First Corinthians twelve, First Corinthians fourteen. That'll help you. Yeah, it'll that'll, bless somebody. That, that'll bless you. Look at you doing God's work out here. Look at you. All right. Um, what does the next one say? Felt uncomfortable or pressured to worship in an outwardly expressive way. I I I don't understand. <laughs> like I really I don't I don't. Because, again, I grew up in a church which was very, like, traditional, conservative. Like, you know, people stayed in their pew. They sang. Didn't nobody shout. Didn't nobody run. Like, that wasn't the vibe. Like, it was just a quiet, reserved kind of service. And nobody was thinking, oh, well, you didn't do this, so you're not really saved or you're not really worshiping the right way. So I just, it's just another concept to me that's just like, what are people talking about? What? Huh? Everybody worships differently. Yeah, everybody worships differently. If somebody want to run around the room and that's what God is calling them to do in that moment, then let them do that. But that doesn't mean that the person who isn't, isn't, you know, worshiping. Word. Like worship is an intimate experience and whatever uh, dynamic that you and God have, that's between you and God. 
Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. There be some people who just be sitting in church looking like, all right, girl. They they not they just sitting there like I we all know we've been to church we've seen them but sometimes just because a person's sitting quietly or their head is bowed you don't know what their worship experience is like so you know you should you know people should stop like watching in general yeah I know the Bible say watch and pray but it didn't say watch your neighbor yeah just just mind your business do what you have to do mind your business mind your business it'll bless you truly honestly word, word, word. won't he do it. This is the other one that kind of made me roll these eyes super big. Next one? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Purity culture, which is a bunch of garbage that they need to dash with because all it does is bring harm to people. We'll tell you how. Number one. The church has made you feel shameful for your sexuality or coming out was a traumatic experience. Number two. Felt you needed to dress a certain way not to cause a brother to stumble or need to quote unquote honor your honor God with your body. Number three. Pressure to get married so you don't burn with lust. So I remember being uh, maybe and I've said this to Mark before. Purity culture is why I think I have a problem slightly with um, certain agendas and narratives that are that children are like exposed to within the church because I remember being like nine and getting, uh, going to like a camp, like a, a church camp and basically being asked to sign a purity pledge stating that I was going to save myself for marriage. Huh? I was nine, 10. What did I, I didn't know anything about sex about boys, about about anything. So why are you at that age coming to me to ask me about signing some purity pledge saying that I'm going to save myself till marriage? And I don't recall it being done to the boys. I only remember it being done to the group of girls. So if it happened to the boys, then kudos. But part of my problem with it is you don't talk about sex. You don't want to educate children on what sex is, what the results of it are, but you want to come to them asking them to sign a purity pledge and then you kind of base a woman's worth on her purity, quote unquote, and that's a thing that girls carry forever and ever because, you know, if you're brought up in a, in a, in a culture that believes that your worth as a female is tied to your virginity then you're obsessed with quote unquote keeping it or if you quote unquote lose it or give it up you now feel impure and that creates confusion um if someone is like sexually assaulted because now they're like i'm damaged goods now because i'm not pure anymore um it also creates issues for people when they do get married because if you 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 can't go around and consistently tell someone Sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. And then suddenly they get married and all of a sudden it's okay now. You've drilled into their head for 20 plus years, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. It's not magically going to go away on their wedding night. But that's that's a part that the church don't want to talk about. Um, my other issue with, with the whole thing with um, purity culture is that it's almost like 
as a girl, when you start developing as God made you to in puberty, the church, some depending on the church you grow up in, some of them make you feel like you're now disgusting or there's something wrong with you for having this developing body. And it's like, well, I didn't make myself. I didn't ask to have a period or grow boobs or have my hips expand. That's happening to me because that is the design of how I'm built as a female. Now you're telling me I'm I'm causing a young man to stumble because of my little double uh, A cups, girl, 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 stop. Meanwhile, men are not in any way, shape, or form held to the same standards about purity or any of that. Like for example, um, Kira Sheard. Um, Kira Sheard is the daughter of um, Karen Clark Sheard and Bishop Drew, Drew Sheard. They have Kiera and they have a son who's a little bit older. I think his name is Jay Drew. I remember they had a reality show a couple of years ago. And Jay Drew has two children out of wedlock. He ain't married none of the mamas. He got two whole babies. But Kiera was the one they were holding down and keeping in the house because she's the girl and there's this culture of like purity that she has to maintain this particular image and whatever the case is. It's like men never have to abide by that. Like Christian boys that grow up in church, they can be sleeping with whoever's daughter and out and about and doing this, but the girls are always held to a higher standard. And I think it's really unfair and unhealthy. It's a bunch of trash. If everybody, if we're going to talk purity, everybody need to be pure, the boys and the girls. Correct. And it is not, a woman's fault for from my stumble, right? Because I've it, heard it is, it is all my fault. Yes. If if anything happens, if I lust for, or somebody else, it is on me. Right. Nothing a woman can wear is to be blamed for a man lusting. Like men will lust after a woman in a burqa. Okay. This is just the truth. It's it's just what it is. So all of this like expectation on the woman. Like I've heard men say, "Ah, women really shouldn't be wearing them sweater dresses to church." I'm like what's wrong with the sweater dress it's covering her boobs it's co- like she has co- like it's like what do people want women to do if a woman has like a shapely butt yeah or but what do you want her to do but wear that, a potato sack like what, what's that, happening here but that also goes with the conversation that um america has a problem with with um how sexuality is viewed in america in general mm-hmm. um like we will do we're okay with all the death and everything like that but as soon as you talk about a little a little sex People get flabbergasted. People are like, no, you are not. Get out no. of here with sex. Get out of here right this minute. No, no sex. No sex. Get out of here. I'm like, okay, all right. That's so. How's that strategy worked out? So it's it's and that that plays into um, this culture that we have with Christianity, which are kind of like um, just we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now expose it. We, we feel as if like. If for years we've been saying if you don't expose it, then people won't do it, and people have been doing it. Maybe you should change your strategy. Right. I'm like, obviously, the don't talk about it strategy has not been successful. So, <laughs> it's, um, it's, that has not been successful at all. Perhaps we need to rethink the strategy, guys. Just a thought. I don't know. I don't know. But like, yeah, it's definitely very damaging. And I, I've read a number of like articles and books and stuff like that from women who have grown up in in the church, who like for years had issues with intimacy with their husbands because they could not unpack themselves from the thought process that sex is bad to the point where some of them had to go to like serious therapy to like unlearn 
what was going on because their husbands were getting frustrated because the, hus- the, hus- the husbands a lot of times may have grown up in the church too but the husbands weren't virgins right but the wives were and so the husband's trying to get intimate and do this and do that and the and the wives are like nah i can't like i can't enjoy myself i can't relax because my mind is still telling me that this is bad even though we're married and it's just like i feel like there's a healthy way to teach boundaries about having sex and whatever the case is without make without demonizing it and making it this horrible thing because you're really damaging a lot of people's psyche and damaging a lot of relationships honestly Correct. because people are going like three years into marriage we shouldn't be going to therapy because one of my wife is uncomfortable yeah. with sex because she's been taught her whole life that sex is bad correct and, and now and now as a husband i feel like a jerk because I'm, it feels like I'm trying to pressure her to do something that she's uncomfortable with, but it's something that she should be doing because we're a married couple. So it's just like Correct. the dynamic of the whole marriage is jacked from the jump because of this harmful teaching. Correct. And once again, this whole, all, all these things we're reading is trying to reduce this trauma mm-hmm. that we like, we're, we're, it's what church trauma looks like. It's, yeah. it's what these things look like. Yeah. Um, we'll go to the next one. Or? Yes. Next one. All right. Next one. Money and finances. Number one, has a sermon before or after the sermon about tithing. Child. Number two, pastors exploit tithes for mansions and luxury cars while families struggle to make ends meet. Number three, telling you God will honor your finances if you start giving more to the church. So I'm going to be the first one to tell y'all. If I come there and y'all doing a sermon about tithing, you can miss me. You'll get nothing from me. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I so, don't want to hear a thing about tithing you, until it's time for offering. You don't. You don't. You want. You want. You want. You want to be for uh, before a sermon at, about tithing. Listen, if you start with that, you can guarantee my money gonna stay right in my pocket, <laughs> right in there. A tithing sermonette. Nope. And then the sermon, or you gonna do the sermon and then a tithing post sermon? You've got me all the way confused. I will. Ne- I will probably never come to your church again, and you're not getting any money from me. I'm fine. I don't have to give it to you. I don't. There there are several other places that I can give my tithe to and this don't have to be one of them. Um, I, I take a personal issue with churches where they pass around the um, offering basket 35 times. Yeah, more than once is a problem. To me. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I also don't like churches where they do a Lord is laying on my heart to say all of you who have a hundred dollar offering come on down just so a $25 don't worry about what I'm putting in this basket why everybody got to know I put a hundred or 50 or 25 or whatever I don't like that kind of stuff nope so you lose me right there homie don't play that I understand what God says about giving 10% but you don't get to regulate how and where I give that 10% I'm yep. sorry mm-hmm. you do not bye Felicia don't ask don't, listen don't mm-mm. I would put my money away so fast. Yeah. So fast. Um, pastors exploit ties for mansions and luxury cars. That's another thing I have a big problem with. I'm like, if the pastor of the church has a big old house in old Westbury, cause we live in New York. So I'll just say old Westbury for my people from New York and Long Island who understand if the pastor lives in old Westbury in a nice little mansion on store Hill road, and you they know have no other job and they have no other job correct that no is, other form of that, income that is key that is key because there are some pastors who, who, who keep a nine to five while pastoring yeah. so if the pastor is living in a nice mansion on store hill road in old westbury with you know uh, uh a mayback and you know he got a driver 
and you know the wife got a Maserati and people just live in large over at the pastor house but there are members of the church who are on public assistance who are taking the bus train and automobile to get to the church who are reaching out to the deacons asking for help to pay bills people in the congregation just struggling in general I have a problem with that as well. That means you're not distributing your money correctly. You're not. You're not. That means a higher percentage should probably go to um, the ministries helping out. Yes. That's because that means. because that means that you um whatever the church is doing is not contributing to the people. Yes. Because there, there's no reason that the pastor should be living that large and members are struggling like that. I'm not saying everybody have to have a mansion like the pastor. But everybody should be struggling. Yeah. Like there shouldn't be people struggling to pay their rent. And doing all of this, it, when should, it should be everybody should be like, yeah. Some people might be struggling, but yeah. it shouldn't be like most of the people look crazy, right? It shouldn't be that you know you your church is you know crumbling and falling down and doing all of this when you have this big mansion and you're basically living off the congregants. I'm right. like that pastor a couple of years ago that asked for a jet or was asking for money for a jet. I said, sir, do who who down to your congregation got a jet? Who down to your congregation even got jet fuel money? For you to even be sitting up here to fix your face to ask people for, for to give you money for a jet. I'm like, this type of foolishness right here again is why I'm like, why are people playing God's face like this? He can see you. I don't know if you know, but he can see you. He, he can't have access to you. He can see you, and he's going to have a conversation with you about this foolishness <laughs> when the day of judgment comes. And I, I would like to be a fly on the wall when the conversation happens because I would like to know how you plan to justify to God how you ask people for $65 million for a jet. You're wilding, sir. Word, Absolutely wilding. Yeah, I have a problem with, with the pastors that be doing it. I'm not saying that a pastor can't live a good life and, and, and whatever. I'm not saying the pastor got to be destitute begging on the street. Because there's some people who absolutely believe people should pastor for free, which I think is nonsense. Yeah. I absolutely believe pastoring is a lot of work and the pastor should have a, should have a nice place to live. His family should be provided for, et cetera, et cetera. But they're, they're, and, and also, if they have other income coming in. Yeah they can use their own income they can use their own income like john gray very problematic in a number of ways but i remember when people were dragging him because he bought his wife a lamborghini i'm like but he has a show on own he has books out he does comedy he does other things so why why can't he spend the money he makes from other things doing that same thing with td jakes i'm like td jakes got production company he makes movies he writes books he does speaking engagements that man can spend the money that he makes from those things however he wants to Correct. But if pastoring is I'm, I'm pretty sure he gives a lot back anyway. Yeah. It, but if pastoring Potter's house was his only occupation and he was doing all this, I'd be like, not TD. That's a little different. Um, I have some questions. Yeah. Um, I'm not part of the IRS or anything, but I do have some questions for you, sir. Correct. So, yeah, I absolutely believe a pastor should be well compensated and taken care of for the work that they're expected to do. But I do also think that, you know, there needs to be a balance between the luxury that the pastor lives in and how the people in the congregation who are paying their good tithes and offerings are, are living as well. Correct. Um, I also have um, an issue with people who try to take advantage of people who are economically challenged by telling them, if you give more money to the church, you'll get more back. I don't believe in that. I'm sorry. A tithe is supposed to be a sacrificial offering. But it's not supposed to be a nonsense offering, in my opinion. Like, to tell somebody to give the last that they have in their pocket to tithe? Like, I don't think God wants that. I don't think that that's responsible, in my opinion. You don't tithe to get money back. Yes. That's not why you tithe in the first place. It's not. You tithe out of thankfulness 
and out of a way to show devotion to God. Yeah. Not to, I like what you just said. You don't tithe to get anything back. That's not why you tithe. That's not why you tithe. And if that's why you tithe, you might be doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I have a big problem with that when people say, oh, you know, you got to give your best. You got to give your best. If my best is $10, my best is $10. Because people, like, people try to make people tithe money that they got for rent or for other important bills trying to convince them like oh if you just if you just sow this seed god will bless you tenfold. no no you're encouraging this person to be financially irresponsible in the name of 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 tithing and because they're so beaten down by life and they believe that you as a spiritual leader are telling them the right thing there are some people who will do it once again do not tithe to get anything back that's not why you tithe that ain't it. All right. Correct. What's the next slide? Mental health abuse. Number one. Toads, you need to be delivered from your addiction mental illness. Number two. Instructed to pray, past, read scriptures when you need professional help. Number three. Bless you. Excuse me. Dismiss your emotions because God is in control. Number four, saying therapy is not of God because it means you think God's not capable to heal you. <sighs> Weariness. Um, yeah, uh, addiction and mental health. Um, those things are usually tied together. And, and while God is able to do all things, um, there are resources available here on earth that God has provided us with to help people work through these things. So um, you cannot pray schizophrenia away. Yes, you should pray fast, read scripture, and probably go get some help. Yes, that you, you can do all those things. All those things should happen. All those things can happen. All those things should happen together. Um, don't don't take away the fact of go getting some help also. Yes, like. God gave those people the strength, the capability, the mind to go to school for all those years and get their certifications in social work and psychology and psychiatry and all those things specifically to help individuals who are dealing with addiction and mental health struggles. So in addition to praying, fasting and all that jazz, go see a professional, please, please, four, 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 be back. Um, because just trying to be like, oh, I'm just going to pray it away. It's like, that's not going to work. It, I've never seen it work actually, so um, yeah, it's not a good, it's not a recommendation. It's prayer, it's prayer in action. Prayer yes. works. But yes, prayer in action. Yes, because what the Bible say, faith without works is dead. Correct. Okay, that's what it say. So yes, you can have faith, you can pray, you can fast, but you can also do the work of going to see a professional. Correct. Okay, that's that's yes. that makes sense. Yes. Um, therapy is not of God. All right, y'all are dumb. Um, I'm not even I'm not even gonna get into that. Um, the whole God is in control thing as an excuse is like again trying to take the onus off of you as a person or use the person around someone who's dealing with mental health or addiction issues to step in and take some kind of action to remedy the situation with the resources available to you in this realm what 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 what, what it's basically saying is if something's going on with you mentally and you need to get help and you have issues with mental health don't just say God is in control. He is in control, but he also has a control to tell you to get some help. Right. Because the help is out there. It's that out is, there. You just got to go get to it. That is also why he's in control. Yep. To tell you. Go get the help. To get some help. Yeah. Facts. Facts. The next one is fear-driven theology. Hell is used as a fear tactic to keep you in church slash Christian. 
Explaining other health theology means you're denying God. Number two, agree with what we believe or you can find another church. Say less this. Um, doctrine is pushed over love. Your salvation can be lost and is dependent on your strict obedience. Um, the one here that bothers me the most is your salvation can be lost. Who said that? I I know of yeah, uh, uh, denominations within Christianity who believe that salvation can be lost. Where do it say that in the Bible? Can somebody point me to a verse? Cause I've never heard of this. Honestly, I thought for, for as long as I've been alive, I've always been taught once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and savior, you are saved point blank period. I've never heard a oh, but so I would like to know more honestly about what the parameters are for potentially losing one's salvation and what one has to do to get them back. Um, and where it can be found in the Bible where it says that, I would like to know because I've never heard of that. Um, so come on with it. If y'all know um, Bible scholars, cause I ain't never heard nothing like that before in my life in my whole black life. And um, the other thing in this that I thought was interesting, hell really is used as a fear tactic to keep you, to keep you in line. Cause it's like, how do we like, who came up with this concept? How do we, how do we, how do we know that what people are saying about it is true? Who's seen it? Who's, who can say, you know what, this is what, this is what goes on down there. And then there are other faith traditions who have a different concept of what hell is than we do. Like we're just taught that it's this place where you burn in fire forever and ever and ever. But there are other faith traditions who think about it a little differently. And it's not necessarily that. But as they're saying, if you try to bring that into the conversation, it's like, well, you're trying to say X, Y, and Z about God. And it's like, no, I just... I heard people, what you're saying. People have questions. But these other people are saying something else, and I just have some questions. Correct. Just can I can I have some follow-up questions? Is that no? Okay. All right. But I do think a lot of for myself at least, a lot of my Christianity as I've as I've grown up was based in a lot of fear. And I had to unlearn some of that. Because what I was taught was straight up like fear. Yeah. Uh, what's the next one on the list? Service abuse. Yeah, this one right here. Number one, not given a fair wage if you are on staff, saying it's a service to God. Number two, guilting you into volunteering and that it's your moral obligation to the church. Number three, church staff only having relationship with you to ensure you keep serving if you stop serving that's the only time they reach out relationally this is a word right here um this this right here kind of bothers me a little bit because i've definitely been in environments where i've heard people say well i don't understand why they need to get paid it should be a service to the lord let me explain something to you if for example i'm a musician or a singer and I have to sing four or five Sundays out the month for two services, maybe more depending on the kind of church you go to. And I got to come to the church two to three times a week to do rehearsal, sound check, run through. In addition to the fact that I have a job, kids, potentially other things, you think I should do all that for free? You're smoking crack. Absolutely smoking crack. You absolutely should be paying me for that because that is a job. Correct. to do all of that and I do not understand why 
Christians in particular feel this need to make you feel as if you asking for money to be compensated for the work that you do is a problem and that everything should be a donation and service to God. God didn't tell you to take advantage of me. Yeah. You don't get to choose what I'm going to use as my ministry. Exactly. That part. You don't get to choose that. That um, part. I might volunteer certain hours for my ministry for certain things. You don't choose what that is. Right. Um, th- the singing might be my job. Right. That's how I. That's how I pay the bills. That is not my. That is not my volunteer ministry. Right. I might volunteer and like be in a children's nursery or something, but this singing you gonna have to run me some money for. Yes. That you don't get to tell me what um what I what I'm volunteering to do. Right. Um, that's not saying that I won't use my gifts because I use my gift for certain things. Right. But like for instance, um, sometimes, like you have to be um mindful of number one someone's financial situation, mm-hmm. what's going on, because if that if what you're saying is the case, then the only people you're gonna have on any of these ministries are people who have money for it. Right. Who ha- who already have money outside of that mm-hmm. to pay for it. If you want someone to be committed a certain level. You have to give them the money so they can be fully committed into it and not worry about their family starving. Right. So that that's what it comes down to. So you want me to be here for all these things. Understand that my family is starving. Right. Understand that I can, I, I'm able to do that. But if I'm not able to get money for it, that means I have to do something else to get money paid for. Right. That means I'm not going to be able to commit myself to what you want me to do. That's it. That's it. And that, that, that's the reality. It's the truth. And I feel like, you know, in an ideal world, everybody in the church would be, you know, because I do believe that, you know, we're all a part of one body. And, you know, in order for us to function in our full capacity, every part of the body has to be doing its part. But I also think, why do people think that guilting someone into doing something is helping the situation? If To me, I feel like if someone wants to volunteer, then let them do that out of their own volition but if you're trying to get someone to volunteer by guilting them and making them feel it's their moral obligation to the church you're not a you're not getting your best out of them you're just getting whatever whatever basicness they feel like giving you because they feel guilty and to me i'm like it's cool but like i feel like we're also taught to give god our best so if you're giving mediocre then i would rather you not give anything at all but that's just my opinion word i i yeah i I just feel like that if somebody don't want to do something, then they don't have to. And we should respect that because there are reasons that a person might not be disclosing to you about why they don't want to do something or don't have the time to do something. And, you know, that's on that person. Again, that's between them and and their God about, you know, how they want to use their time or use their talent or whatever. But I don't, I don't agree with um, guilt tripping people into doing something. And as a church, you should be paying people a living wage at least. Right. Like, if you want to have somebody over here manning the phones and doing all the, all the administrative things, run that person a living wage. Don't be trying to hire them to do all this work for $17,000 a year in this economy. Come on now. A lot of times now. y'all have them working a lot more hours than they should. Right. And they, they can't get overtime. Right. Because they're a nonprofit. Right. So. So, so what are you going to do? Exactly. All right. Um, the last one is destiny or bust being told you have one destiny giving up good for God's best 
overanalyzing decisions with mentors slash being afraid to make decisions because you've been told you only have one destiny. Number three, being told you will miss out on God's will for your life based on your wrong decisions. Um, and in parentheses, they say missing God's voice because you didn't listen close enough. Um, again, who said that? Who said that? I thought the Bible said all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So if I make a misstep or I make a mistake, yes, there might be some harm, some consequences, some things that might hurt. But if I believe what that, that everything works together for my good, will, will it not eventually turn around in such a way that I will learn something from it, grow from it in some way? Like, why who said that there is only one path to wherever my life is going and who's to say that can't be edited or changed by the person who created me and who created quote unquote destiny in and of itself like who there's a lot there's a lot of what is what is that it's not logical it's like people try to say god is in control and god is so big but then try to limit god at the same time and it's just yeah. like oh they're, they're so confusing of- there are a lot of paths to the same destiny. Absolutely. So, and like, I, I understand. And God already knows all the paths I'm going to take before I get there anyway, so. <laughs> so I, I understand what, like, when people be feeling this way, they feel like, all right, I have the destiny. I got to stay online with it. So, like, they start overanalyzing every step they make. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, am I falling in the right destiny? Am I going the right way? Not understanding that you, like, it, it becomes a trauma when someone's trying to tell you, like, no, are you doing the right thing? Like, keep, keep you second-guessing yourself consistently. Right. Like, you'll never get anywhere doing that. Correct. I, I just, yeah. I, 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 how do you live life like that? Like, that sounds so non-progressive. It sounds like you're just standing around all day, just there, and not doing anything. Like, I don't think that what God wants for your life in your destiny includes being immobilized by fear. Because if the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, then why are we, why are we being encouraged or living in, in, in faith spaces that are encouraging us to be afraid by feeding us this notion that there's only one destiny and one path to it? Like, how do you know? Who told you that? Like just, oh my God, it, it, it makes me sad and it breaks my heart. The amount of misinformation and, um, downright dishonesty that happens within the faith community, because I feel like it just cripples so many people. And it makes me think how many people have died and gone on to glory that have been stuck in these patterns of stuff that we've been talking about, never realizing that there was something wrong with it or that it was holding them back in some way. Like that just stresses me out completely because, you know, I think in this day and age, people are more willing to like speak up and call a thing a thing. But, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. So I'm like, how many people were like living out their faith journey, like in some crazy kind of bondage to these concepts that people just made up? and ran with and decided was the gospel like that's crazy to me there's actually um two more i want to read from the part two i don't want to mm-hmm. read all of two more yeah um the first one is racism Ooh, um number one exploiting your skin color in church promos to show they're diverse and relevant for all mm. for image mm. so i'll say it again 
Number one, exploiting your skin color in church promos to show that they are diverse and relevant, all for image. Hmm. Number two, primarily white male leadership that tries to excuse or belittle people of color's experiences. Racism isn't important to address because they're not racist. Number three, denial or not addressing systemic racism, systematic, I'm sorry, systematic racism, and the church's responsibility for only addressing it when culturally pressured without action and prolonged education. Number four, respond to racism and hate with social justice movements like Black Lives Matter are a distraction from the gospel and create more division. Child, I'm going to tell all y'all right now, any of y'all that go into a church with people doing this, you should leave. <laughs> like, just get out of there. Like, there's no reasoning, there's no conversation. Just take your ties and go. Because what you're not getting ready to do is any of this while I am a ties paying member. I won't, I won't do it with you. No sir, no ma'am. No. Because... The fact that, like, and I've seen these, like, promos for these churches, and it's like, you can tell they just pulled out a couple, you know, brown members and said, come on for the photo shoot. But when you actually get in the building, it'd be like, nah, I see, I see the trick and scheme of the enemy. Yeah. I see it. I see it. And they don't have no shame. I think the most troubling thing for me here is social justice movements like Black Lives Matter are a distraction from the gospel and create more division. That's how I know people don't read their Bible. Not for real. Because if you if you're following the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible was for the people. He was about equality for the people. He was about speaking up for the rights of the people. He was about doing right by the people. So if there's a group like Black Lives Matter or something who is seeking equality for a group of people that is being oppressed and you believe that to be a distraction from the gospel, then maybe you don't know what the gospel or the person who came to preach it was. I I don't know. I think um, I was reading, I forgot what I was watching, but someone was like, it's kind of annoying when someone says it's not skin, it's sin. I'm like, because. Yo, I be wanting to flip the table when I hear that. Because it is skin. It it might be sin, but it is also skin. And that's that's another way to absolve people who are are racist and participating in racist activity from the responsibility of, of them knowing what they're doing, just calling it sin and just dismissing it as that completely takes the onus off of the person who is choosing to behave this way and saying, oh, it's it's sin. It's the devil. It's a demonic attack. Nah, this person is choosing but to be also, a racist individual. But it's also skin. <laughs> it's also that. It's, it's, it's all, dare I say, it's more that. Yeah. Dare I say. Um, and then... Oh, I'll do this one. I'll do do this one. Narcissistic leadership. Number one, when challenge on church practices is defensive and blame shifts. Mm -hmm. Number two, image focus. Members have to fit mold by appearance. All about numbers in attendance. Build cool church brand. Number three, high turnover rate in staff. Usually someone tries to hold the narcissistic accountable and is fired or staff members leave when they recognize the pattern of toxic behavior. Number four, inner circle that creates church hierarchy. Either it's near or impossible to obtain inner circle status 
or you do and have to walk on eggshells to maintain acceptance? I'm going to tell you what. This right here is why many of us don't go to church no more. This right here. Um, many of millennials don't go to church anymore because of this right here. Because there are certain things that churches that we've grown up in or been a part of or whatever have done for such a long time and it's never been questioned and so when we come to the table and be like well you know I know that you guys have done this but I do have a question or two it's never received with oh well let's talk about this let's I've never thought about that it's it's always received with an attack and you being called a demonic attack and you being called a filthy sinner and whatever the case is because you're bringing this thing to the table. Um, recently, um, I don't know if people have heard of this group, not this group, but this couple, um, the Lindsay's, Heather Lindsay and um, her husband Cornelius. Um, Heather Lindsay, she's like a female pastor, and I use the term pastor very loosely. Um, her and her husband are pastors, again, very loosely used, um, at a church down in Georgia. Um, I think it's called the gathering oasis or something like that. And the wife, she also has this thing called the pinky promise. And it's basically another like purity culture thing for single Christian women um, who want to get married. Cause that's another market that people exploit, but we could talk about that another time. Um, her and her husband are currently embroiled in a, a scandal, so to speak, because this narcissistic behavior that you just read about, um, they have apparently been practicing in their church down in Georgia and um, a former employee um, called them out and, you know, pulled up all these receipts of emails and stuff like that about mismanaged money and, you know, ways that they were emotionally abusive to employees, like, you know, kind of forcing them to work late and kind of using that. Well, you know, it's a service unto God, blah, 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 kind of language. And it's been very interesting to watch because um, you would think that in this day and age, especially with, you know, millennial leadership, that that type of church would be different. It wouldn't have those kinds of issues, but it appears that very much those kinds of issues are still real and still relevant. And, you know, the fact that we're doing this in 2020 is, is insane to me. Like I would think that by this point people have learned that, you know, in order for a church to be successful, a large part of it is, you know, treating people right and being open to discussion and, and conversation about ways that the church can do better and move forward. But the fact that it's still like people kind of expect congregants to just come give their money and shut up is is just it's just crazy to me like how do you like people not doing that no more word like people are people are asking questions they're making suggestions they're they're saying things and speaking up about things and if you're if you're starting a church or you're leading a church and you think that that's not going to be the case going forward you're nuts like the days of people just following and saying okay are over like that's done now People have questions. People have questions, and they, they have a right answered. to ask them. I, you don't. You don't get to tell me that me asking questions is me going to hell, right? Because again, I'll take my money and go. I don't have to be here. I'll go. You don't need my I'll tithe t- if I'm ta- if I'm be talking this way. Elsewhere and go. It ain't no problem. It ain't no problem. There are enough online churches. Um, 
you know, charities. Shoot, I can give my tithe to the homeless man on the street, to be honest. God will be pleased. I don't have to play with you where I can't ask no questions about nothing. Word. Can't do it. So sorry. Um, so yeah, follow them. Um, what is it? Uh your favorite heretics on on um Instagram. And you can see the various posts and read the comments and stuff like that. They talk about um, you know, they have a post about repercussions of purity purity culture. Like they're all very interesting, um, and very informative and you know, I've learned a lot just from following this page for a little while and it's bilingual. So, um, you know, cause I guess people were like, I need the Spanish version of this. So they have a Spanish version now of the, um, church trauma one. So if you speak of the Espanol, they got a little something for you too. So yeah, your favorite heretics, follow them on the socials, um, on, uh, Instagram and you can see the posts that we were talking about. I know we were talking about this for a long time, but you know, it's a lot of stuff to cover. It's a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, so moving on from this to artists by so our artist spotlight this week is Capital. Capital. C A P I T O L. Capital. Yes. So this, I guess, this is more of a. This is usually we pick a lot of people that um that are known for a while, and we're trying to like let you know about the new things come new um new stuff that's coming out. This one right here is like brand new spanking artist. Yes. Brand new. New brand. New brand. The man that um, new brand. It is actually uh, the son of great friends. Yes. He yes. is only 14. 14? No. No, he's not 14. Is, isn't he older than 14? I was like 15. I don't know. He's a teenager. I don't want That's all I got. I don't want to get it wrong. Let me just. Yeah, let me not be a see. whole entire liar. So not, not, not for crazy, because I thought he was 14. I thought he was like 15 or 16. Child. Apologies. You know, this is what happens when you don't do no. See, Rainer, don't be mad at me. Yeah, we, we, you're a teenager. That's the point. That's the point that we're trying to get to. Don't, don't be mad at me, please. Here. Um, yeah. We don't. We don't know. That's the problem. We don't know. Cause he grew up. You know, he got really big really fast. Oh, he is. Seriously. What? He was born in two thousand two. He was born in two thousand two. So he is. No, he's not. That's what I was like. Because that would that would make him eighteen. Which doesn't Rainer. make any sense. Right Um. So what year is this? Twenty twenty. <laughs> this like, is twenty twenty. Yes. So I think he is 14. I think 14 is correct. Okay. I thought, I'm not making it up. I'm not, make, I'm not. For some reason, I thought he was 16, but maybe 14 is correct. I was like, wait. 14 slash 15. We're, go, we're going to go with one of those. 14 slash 15. Um, so, yes. Um, Rainer is um, the son of our good friends, Matt and Terry, who are amazing artists themselves. They're poets. Uh, I know Terry also is into the acting, the theater, the drama. Um, they also sing. They're they're quite a quite a talented bunch of of folks over there. Yeah, they're they're all talented. Um, yes, Rainer is fantastic. He, uh, I remember when he was younger, he was like out with all the presidents. He knew all the presidents yes. and vice presidents and vice presidents. He bought and life. first ladies. Yes, I yes. don't I don't know many for, of those for, things for all of them in order. Yes. Yes. When he was like seven, yeah, because he keep <laughs> out that life for like a for a long time. <laughs> long time, Emmanuel. Long time. Um, Emmanuel. he is a actor. Actor. He is a rapper. A rapper. He does other things too. Yes. Um, and all know? around amazing human being. Uh, uh, the the family's fantastic. Yes, they're awesome. Um, but he came out and released his first album. Yes, a I'm, whole album. I am so proud of him. Yes, album. Because you know what, 
people can say a lot of things, but not everybody can just put their music out there and be like, here, world, get into me. Yes. And I'm greatly proud of him. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Greatly proud of him. Yes. Um, Go Rainer. You can Go check Rainer. his album out. Go it is Rainer. on the Spotify's. Yes, it's on the Spotify and it's on it's Apple called, Music. It's called Same Difference. It's on Apple Music. It's on Amazon Music, too. Okay. And it's on SoundCloud. Okay. It's on SoundCloud. I don't know anything about SoundCloud or Apple Music or Amazon Music. Um, but yeah, it's on all of those things. Um, so <laughs> please check it out. Um, support this man. Yes, support this young gentleman. Gentleman. Yes. Um, he he is helping. Yes. Um, and he talks about a lot of things, like a lot of things on his mind, a lot yes. of things like he goes through. So I out of, out of support for him, and also because he be rapping. Word. <laughs> he be on it. Word. Um, this is, this is actually my favorite song on the album that he has. Um, it's called Some Days. I enjoy his flow greatly. I do. I enjoy his, his flow greatly on this song. Um, he, I've, I've said it to him before, but once again, this song, I, I love the flow on the song. So that's where Some Days. And so we're going to play this album, play this song. Um, once again, same difference is the name of the album. The song is called Some Days. Let's go. Let's go. Hey. You know those days when you ain't shit to nobody? I know those days, man. That's the kind of day I'm having. Yeah, and it's all my fucking fault. Perfection or how success and the ways I could know now Those dark days let me show you now What's on my mind today is success How I met someday Never say never, say never, say never, say never It's the only way that I can feel better To rise out of ashes and breathe the fire Desire and higher fire makes a cup of a brighter And the older I give you get down to my name And my glory is fame and polarity I guess I'm from late and arrested It's great but you get the shovel There's no saving as I know Fight or flight or fly higher The kind that come out of spite you like burning a fire, yo. I'm so dangerous, watch them and aim it as deep as a fickle thing. But some days it just. Man, I don't know why, but some days I can handle the pain in my brain. I'm standing, refraining, I'm feeling the pain in perfection. Wow, success and the ways I could know now. Those dumb days, let me show you now. Oh, some of my days, success, how many some days? Some days. Some days. Some days. Maybe if I could just be a fucking normal human being, man. I don't know what you're saying, but every day means something special to me, and especially when you mess with me and my. Maybe if I could just be a normal human being, man. I don't know what you're saying, but every day means something special to me, and especially when you mess with me and my brain. Cannot compute. I'm looking out my window through my pain. Take a second to follow what I'm saying. The volume's up high like a drug. It's raining and I'm fucking tired of it. It's so hard to go through it and shit and put up with these days. It's gonna change. I don't know what the hell I did to end up in this hellish place. Pretty insane. That's where I'm going, but I ain't actually and pretty. So you're gonna say that I'm saying. All of my brain is out of location. Okay, so hey, anyways, hey. If you're a gust at my end, you can reach him on your phone. Just leave a message from me and tell him that I wanna stop living when I'm up in these days. Success. How messed up. 
That is Capital. Capital. 14. Yes, 14. Why them good? Why it's them 14. good? I yes. enjoy it for. Shout out to Sir Rayner. Yes, a.k.a. Sir Capital. Sir, Sir Rayner of Town. Yes, yes. Come on out here with these albums, okay? Albums. And I think he was saying it was like rated like number 38 on iTunes. New, At one point for new hip-hop, yeah. New hip-hop or something like that. I'm like, come on, rankings. Come on, ratings. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. I aspire to put out an album and it be on somebody's chart somewhere. So, you know, kudos. Yeah. Kudos to the young fellow. So support support, support him, please. Yes, please, please, please. All right. We are going to move into our, our This Week in Random. This Week in Random. random. This Week in Random. Yeah, so there's a couple things to talk about. You know, it's just it did like I said, this is random, so we're just gonna get started. So I don't know if you heard, but um Jam Master J's killers have finally been arrested. Um they had two guys that they were kind of looking at for years and years. And, you know, I guess they finally got enough evidence to arrest them or to charge them. One guy is already in jail for like an armed robbery and something, but the other guy they arrested, uh, I believe, yesterday. Um, glad they took. Glad they uh, didn't take their time with it. They got right on it. I mean, it was. It's been about twenty years. Um, <laughs> to like, to like, well, be I'll, honest, I'll, I'll, thank you. It's. I mean, and the fact that they said that they knew they had these people on their suspicion list for for eighteen years. For eighteen years. Um, I mean, better late than never, I guess. Um, yeah. So apparently, the story is that. So I didn't know this because, you know, I think this happened like before I moved here to America. But apparently um, Jam Master Jay was, you know, he was, you know, legendary and run DMC, but he was apparently also in the streets um, selling the, uh, the narcotics. And apparently the story is based on the article I read. Um, he had bought some drugs that were supposed to be distributed between here and Maryland. And I guess one of the guys was not part of the deal of whoever was going to distribute it. And I guess he was upset about that. And so he shot him um, twice and killed him. And that's basically kind of the reason for why he died. I don't think I ever knew that part of the story. I think, you know, maybe other people knew it, but I didn't know that part of the story. I was like, well, damn, that's crazy. Um, and one of the guys apparently lived with him. And I mean, I remember always hearing that whoever killed him was close to him because there was no sign of forced entry or anything like that. So it wasn't like some type of in- invasion or home robbery. Like it was somebody who got close enough to him to kill him. So it was somebody that he knew. I remember hearing that in like some documentary I watched. So apparently it was his man's essentially that killed him. So um, they arrested these two people finally. So, you know, hopefully justice will be served um, and these people will go to jail for some time for what they did. Um, I'm, it's crazy that I never thought we would see the day that there would be um, an arrest because it seemed like one of those like Biggie and Tupac type things where it's like people know who did it, but no one's saying nothing. No one's saying nothing. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like I thought it was just always going to go down as one of those type of stories but you know apparently you know things are changing so 
<sighs> you know, prayers, prayers for J. Master J's family who is now going to have to go through the process of reliving his death through yeah. um, the impending trial and whatever the case yeah. is. But, you know, thankfully, you know, justice will hopefully be served. Um, in other news with arrests, so I don't know if you guys are aware. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but um, just for a quick catch up. So there was a woman in Valley Stream by the name of Jennifer McLegan, okay. a black woman yeah. who mm-hmm. lived in Valley Stream and who has been for the last two or three years been experiencing um, racial attacks from her neighbor. Um, the neighbor has, you know, like been doing target practice in their backyard knowing that she can see into their backyard they've thrown dog feces into her backyard um they've like shot squirrels and threw thrown the dead squirrels bodies over into her garage i mean into her backyard and um it's been going on for some time and i guess people in the in the city of it's valley stream's not a city but in the whatever that valley stream is Hamlet. Hamlet. Okay. Hamlet. I I don't know. In the whatever Valley Stream in the municipality, I'll just say that the Valley Stream is like they weren't picking up her garbage, so then she was getting like tickets and citations for having garbage on her property. But she was like, "But y'all not picking up my garbage. Y'all are legit passing by my house." So whoever you know, this person, this neighbor was kind of had some influence with some powers that be in the town so the lady was being harassed it's a village by the way it's a village okay so the whoever the the neighbor was had some pull with people in the village so like i said they weren't picking up her garbage she was getting citations for having like feces on her property even though she doesn't have a dog so it's obvious that the dog feces aren't coming from her so it became a whole thing and she um had a whole sign up on her door explaining that she's being harassed by her neighbors the sign was up recently yeah and um i guess it caught wind and there were protests in front of her house and then there were groups of black men that you know decide because she's a single mom it's just her and her daughter her three-year-old daughter living in the house so um there were some black men who i think it, uh, a, a brother of a friend of mine was one of the men who were out in front of her house that kept patrol in front of her house for 24 hours to make sure that nobody tried anything or did anything to her and she felt safe um you know the news was involved it was kind of like a big story i remember people were like oh my god they're doing that out in valley stream or at least i was because valley stream is like right next to queens right next to rosedale and it's very much a lot of west indians and and people like that over there so it never dawned on me that uh valley stream had like really racist people like that like i know it's part of long island but again i always kind of uh coupled it with queens because it's so close to the queens border that i was just like what they doing what like i don't know any white people that live in valley stream hand to god all the people i know who are from valley stream or live in valley stream are black so i just am like oh first of all there's white people there that's crazy one definitely white black people white people in valley stream and there's definitely racism yeah i mean it's everywhere but like i've just never heard anything like that so i remember being shocked like if you had told me oh it's like in medford or like Merrick, I'd be like, all right, bet. Valley Stream took me through me for a loop, to be completely honest. But um, it, not, the, not, no, if it's anywhere in Nassau County or Suffolk County, it won't shock me anywhere. Yeah, like I know the racism is there. I, I'm just like, again, I think because living in Queens in high school and like having a lot of friends that lived in Rosedale, and we would go over to Valley Stream to like the 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 Green Acres Mall and stuff like that. Like it just. To me, it just seemed like it was just Roosevelt, Rosedale extension. Oh, no. So I just was like, oh, this is crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, um, I say all that to say the neighbors, they had I had heard that they moved out of the house 
because I guess it was the father, the son, and then the son's wife or girlfriend or whatever living in the house. So the son and the girlfriend, who were the main ones perpetrating the issues, they moved out of the house, but they have been arrested now and charged with, um, you know, vandalism and whatever. They're still they're still trying to, according to the Nassau County Police, determine if there's any type of racial bias or or hate crime involved. And they're like, we're not sure. We're still investigating. I'm like, oh, mother effers. But um, the people have been arrested, but, you know, they've been released on their own recognizance. So we'll, we'll see if they show up to any court dates or what comes of this. But at least at the minimum, they were arrested and there was some acknowledgement that some wrong was done to this woman. Because I'm like, I'm, I can imagine how so fearful she must be living. Yeah. America makes it so hard to like prove that there was racial issues, and all about people like this, but it's right there, <laughs> right? Like that's why but, I said that's why I said America, what I said. America make it so hard to like prove it. Like it be it's, it's so like work. I get why people don't report stuff because it's like it's very clear evidence that there is racial bias as to why this is happening. Oh, but like, the police but like, it, well, we don't know. But, but I mean, is it, is it mean, really? But, it just I mean, like, but you know is what? it? All right, all right. <laughs> oh, how annoying. Um. Speaking of police, so apparently um, Kamala Harris is the police. Um, that's what I've seen people on the internet say. Um, she's the police. Joe Biden apparently chose a cop to be um, his running mate, and so that's a problem. What he, but what Kamala is, I don't know if you know this, but Kamala is too liberal, too conservative, too progressive. <laughs> she's too everything. She's not black, black enough. Too black, too white. Like too Indian. Like too just, Indian. It's, she's she's too of everything. Right. Like, what do you people want? Like, what is it that you want? That's what I'm really trying to get to the bottom of. She's, what is it that people want? She is everything. People are upset and all around. The lady is not a police officer. She was a district attorney. I don't know if y'all know what district attorneys do, but it is literally their job to prosecute criminals and send them to jail. That is their job. That is that is her whole job. Like, go look it up. Go do some research. Um, So to be saying, oh, she put people in jail. That was that was her whole job, though. Like, what was she? Um, She didn't do anything different than any other district attorney anywhere in this country is expected to do what i will say is this does she have some trash policies and some cases where she should have walked some things back Probably. yeah 100 what, what what i will say is this um and i'll i said this I'll, I'll say this in terms of barack obama too and this is one thing that people are not understanding when you are the first black or first woman in certain things a lot of times you don't get the opportunity to be excessively progressive. You don't get the opportunity to be progressive. If you were excessively progressive and pro-black, they wouldn't have put you in the first place. Right. Number one. Number two. Because black people feel this pressure to hold the door open for other black people. Correct. They don't want to do anything to close the door so that other black people can't get the opportunity because literally that's all it takes. Oh, we had Kamala in there and she was in there just letting these people go. We can't let no more black people come in here and do that. So a lot of times when when someone is the first their their mindset is I don't really have to like I I I can make some things do but my my objective is to be perfect. My objective is to. I'm not saying what's valid or what's right, but I do know that everybody was first. Their their objective is to show that to um, prepare the stage for somebody else. Right. It's not really to make a lot of changes themselves. It's to prepare the stage for somebody else. Right. And that's kind of what, um, that's why like I understood Barack Obama. I didn't agree with a lot of things he did either. 
Um, same thing. I don't agree with a lot of things. Kamala Harris, their private district attorney. But when you're the first, a lot of times all you're doing is just trying to set the stage for somebody else. Right. Like the third black president will will be able to be a little belligerent. Right. <laughs> but you know, the, even the second one, he's still gonna have to watch it. Like it can't be as 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 centrist as Barack Obama, but he can be a little more. But that third one, he can he can be like a little belligerent. Yeah. But like my whole <laughs> thing with the whole Kamala argument is like, what do you want? Like people saying she's not black. I'm like, well, her daddy is black, so. How is she not? How is she not at least part black? Like, first of all, because one of her parents is definitively black. Um, so how is she not? How is she not black? And we also got to stop like black gatekeeping. Like, I'm not really sure when this started, but there's a lot of black gatekeeping going on. It's like, well, this person's black, but that person's not black, and this person's not like. So I saw somebody try to compare Kamala Harris to Rachel Dolezal. I said, now you hold on one black minute. Stop it now. Kamala Harris has a visibly black parent. Rachel Dolezal's mama and daddy is white. Okay. White. Please do not ever disrespect the good sis Kamala by saying she is like Rachel Dolezal. Don't do that. Kamala Harris went to Howard University and became a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. The woman identifies as black. She has said out of her mouth, I identify as black. What is the problem? What like she? What what is the issue? Then I heard people say she's trying to say she's not American. The lady was born in Oakland, California. She went and lived in in Canada for a couple of years because one of her parents got a job. She's American. Like the different I things. She, that I think she only went to high school there. She only went to high school there and came and back and for, went to Howard, Howard University, University. Yeah. for college, and then went to uh, law school in California. The lady is American. Stop! Stop it. Then we have people saying, "Oh, um, she's too ambitious." Excuse me? <laughs> the woman come from Indian and Jamaican parent. Kamala never had a choice in life but to be ambitious. Like, what, 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 what was she going to do? Be basic? What was she going to do? Because you know what they were told? I didn't come from India and Jamaica for you to be a basic, Biffa. You're going to be excellent. You're going to be great. The lady went to college and majored in political science and economics. I just don't know what that argument means. She's running for vice president. She's like, why would we not want someone who's actually done the work and has been educated and know? Like, I am perplexed at what people's problem is with yeah, Kamala Harris. Yeah, I am yeah, truly yeah, perplexed. Your yeah, yeah, anti-ambition? So a woman, <laughs> a woman can't be ambitious. It's like, what? I don't understand what y'all want. Like, did y'all want him to just pull me off the street to be vice president? That's a terrible idea. I don't know anything about this. Why would he not get somebody who is qualified and has the experience to, to do the job? She's been a Senator for, for some years now. Like what's, what's the concern? Like, are people upset because she's not a full black American? Are they upset that she's not like a Maxine waters? Like what I'm, I'm trying to understand what the problem is. I know that she's not everyone's favorite for a number of reasons, but have we not yet learned that we have to let go of this perfect candidate narrative? Like, are we still riding with this still? Mm. Did, how did it work out in 2016? It didn't plot twist. It didn't. So what are we still, what are we still arguing about here? Like, it's just crazy to me. I'm like, this is why people, this is why people don't ever want to do nothing. This is, the, honestly, this backlash is why, is honestly, I feel turning off a lot of black people who could potentially like run for office and do stuff like that. Cause it's like, I don't want nobody going in on me and scrutinizing me like this and judging how black I am and saying I'm not really black because my dad is Jamaican or because my dad, my mother's uh, Indian. I'm not really black. I can tell somebody pull up her birth certificate talking about it says Caucasian. 
I'm like, well, Indians can technically write Caucasian on a census, so yeah, maybe that's, that's why I said that. I don't know what to tell you. You should take that up with your with your elected representative. Yeah, that has that, nothing to do with Kamala. Like, yeah. did she come out the womb and say, "Mark me Caucasian"? No, she didn't. She didn't do that at all. Mm. So just calm down. I get that she might not be your favorite, but like, who was his other option? Susan Rice. Susan Rice is also Jamaican, so she wasn't black enough either. Got it. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren. There are reasons why that would have been a bad idea, because um, mm-hmm. I think she would be more useful to the country in her Senate seat as opposed to being the vice president because she's a, a senator from a state that, you know, can't be trusted. Because um, if she was to get out of there and go be the vice president, we're we not sure who they're going to put in the mix. So what? pump the brakes. And then the other one was that Gretchen lady from from Michigan. Girl, that Gretchen lady need to stay where she at. Kamala Harris, if those were the that, those were the choices I read that he was considering. Yeah. So if Kamala Harris was the best, Kamala Harris seemed the best the best out of them. So she might not be a fan fave, but whatever. Build a bridge, get over it. There's no such thing as a perfect candidate. Everybody's gonna be problematic in some way. Yeah. American politics in and of itself is problematic. So to expect that there's gonna be some pure lily white perfect candidate who's not gonna be problematic in any way, shape, or form is unrealistic. Yeah, and then people were saying like, oh. Joe, Joe Biden chose Kamala just to give the black the black vote. Okay. Me, well, let, let me explain something. First thing is I don't know if you know, but a bunch of um, black men approached Joe Joe Biden and said, "You better <laughs> pick a black woman." <laughs> um, like in these times, if I were Joe, I would have picked the black woman. Shoot. Yeah. But he said, like a, a bunch of guys said, if you don't choose um, a black woman, then you're gonna lose our support. And mm-hmm. Joe Biden was like, "All right, let me just." Let me just listen to y'all. Facts. <laughs> and, that's, and that's kind of what happened. Right. I'm like, listen, just do what you got to do and vote appropriately in November. Because those of y'all talking about we not vote in this and that, you sound stupid. Um, yeah, that's all I That's all I got. Um, this whole thing with these, uh, this postal service is some shady business. Um, I can't even believe they doing this in front of our face. This is nuts to me. I'm like, what? Are y'all really doing this? Uh... Y'all really doing this for real? craziness so all i'll say is if you can get out and physically vote strap your mask and your face shield on and get out there um drop just drop your vote drop off, your vote off at the, the election the, office the wherever you are Find your election just drop it off there yeah work work it out there are ways to get around this postal system thing if this is really the vibe they're trying to get on so let's let's just get to it your vote matters it counts let's go out there and get it done because you can see you know it counts because they're making all these efforts to make sure that it don't get to where it gotta go so yeah um moving on to more like frivolous things um well before that um so the nfl has its first black team president which is insane to say because i would argue that 85 percent of the nfl in terms of players is black people so it's insane to me that um for all the years that the nfl has been around we are now getting a black team president but whatever um, the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, um, shouts out to them deciding to get rid of that racist name. Um, they have appointed uh, Jason Wright, um, the president of the team. Um, he's a former NFL player himself. I've never heard of him, honestly, because I do not follow football like that. But I thought this was noteworthy news because... Um, this is this is a big deal. They're making a big a big step here. 
because you know it took them forever to get rid of that name and now you know they're they're moving forward they're moving on with the times they're trying to stay um culturally relevant um in these in these times so he he went to college and played football at northwestern and he played for a number of teams including the 49ers the falcons the browns and the cardinals um and he's been retired now for about 12 years and um He's a businessman. He got his MBA um, from University of Chicago, and he was a partner at a management consulting firm, and he was also a trustee uh, for Union Theological Seminary. So he's been out there in these streets um, doing big things. So he is the first black president of an NFL team in the history of the NFL, like I said. He is one of the youngest um, active ones, and he's only the fourth former player to ever be named an NFL team president. So that's a big deal. Kudos to Mr. Wright. Word, 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 yes, word. Yes, Jason word. Wright. You big, big things I go on with you. Big uh, things, big things I go on. So let's move into some frivolousness. Um, so if you all remember a couple of years ago, I want to say, shoot, I should look it up. Um, they made a notorious movie featuring uh, Jamal Woodard. Um, in 2009, um, featuring Jamal Woodard as Biggie. And uh, there was some controversy when the movie came out because um, Lil' Kim was being played by Notori Naughton, who we know from 3LW and most recently from Power. Um, I remember at the time, Lil' Kim was upset because she felt that Notori looked nothing like her and she just felt like someone different should have played her. I believe at the time she said she felt like Christina Milian should have played her and i'm like i've seen you kim i don't see why you would think christina million's the appropriate person at all but i digress so 11 african-american years later um kimberly denise jones was on an interview and uh i'm not really sure how it came up but she expressed again her problem with um notori naughton playing her in the film um, and for those who don't know the backstory, like she literally hates Notori Naughton and will not speak to her, like just hates her. Even though Notori says she's reached out to her, she reached out to her when she was casted in the film, she's reached out to her afterwards. And Lil Kim is just, she hates that girl because she played her in the movie. So I guess she brought it up again and she's still bothered by it. And I'm like, Kim, it's been 11 years later and it's starting to look like your problem is it with her playing you is because she was dark skin. You tried to say that that wasn't it, but it's because she's dark skin and you have like body dysmorphia and issues because you morphed from a black woman to an Asian right before our eyes. Um, I still love you so much but i need you to like let go of notorious like nobody cares about that movie nobody's thinking about it you weren't even the star of the movie you was, you were a a a auxiliary piece to the story that was being told about biggie so i need you to just kind of separate yourself from that and just just be okay like the fact that she's still bringing it up after all this time troubles me like girl the movie is over 10 years old no one cares why are you still thinking about this? Why is this still on your mind? That's that's really what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Like the fact that you are bringing it up 11 years later, you got problems, girl. I need you to go talk to somebody. Get help. I, I'm not. I, I, I nothing tells me that she doesn't hold a grudge though. So, I, I but girl, like, do you I, like? I just I'm trying to I'm figure out what it is. Wrong. She, I'm just saying I don't. I never seen. I never like looked at Kim. I was like, she don't hold grudges. But I what never, I'm trying to figure out is why you're holding the grudge against Notori I specifically. I don't know. Like. 
Miss Valletta, who is Biggie's mother, was very much hands on with the production of this movie. So if you have a beef with somebody, I feel like you should probably take it up with Miss Valletta because she was very involved in how this movie was made and who was casted. What, so what if you, you have a concern, perhaps you should take it to Miss Wallace. But to be up here mad at an actress because she took a paying job and did said job, I, I don't understand the logic. It yeah. it be, it blows me that she's still this mad about it. Notori don't even talk about that damn movie no more. So why is she bringing it up? Notori done moved on and been Tasha St. Patrick for like the last six years. She not thinking nothing about no little Kim and no Notorious movie. Girl, move on, Kimberly. Move on. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That really bothered me. I was just like, girl, you cannot be bringing this up 11 years later. Where the boy, where the boy that played Biggie at? I haven't seen him in a movie since. Where he been at? That's the more important question. That's what I really want to get to the bottom of. Sitting up here talking to me about some damn notorious non girl. Leave me alone. Um, the other, the final thing I had to talk about. Um, so speaking of, you know, Lil Kim, musical legends, blah blah blah. So uh, Timbaland and and um, Swiss Beats have been hinting for the last week and a half. This next versus is about to be epic. Blase, blase, blah. And I'm just like, all right, drop it, guys. Come on. Tell me who's the purple works going in. Blah, blah, blah. So the streets are saying that the rumored versus is between Mary J. Blige and Mariah Carey. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, will I tune in? Yes. But like I just don't know that Mariah and Mary J are in the same lane for me. But then the person who's in Mariah's lane is dead. So, um, rest in peace, Whitney Houston. I think that's Are you the only line? voice in terms of songs because verse is different than ability. Their music is so different to me. Like I can't fathom why. Like their their music is two different moods for me. Like two whole different moods. So I don't even I don't even understand the pairing. I'm like, I, huh? I, I get the moods different, but I, I I think they've been doing a lot of mixing lately, though with um. Shoot, is Celine Dion available? Because her and Mariah can par, but um, I think when they do it, they're, to, they're talking about um, song yeah. choice. To and, me, that's and, just a and, nonsensical and, 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 battle. But who else can go against Mariah? I said she's dead. I don't. I don't understand. But, but that's the point I'm making. Is so who else can go against Celine Mariah? Dion? See if Celine's available. <laughs> Celine can, I can't go against Mariah. It's not going to yes, work. Yes, she can. You know why? Why? Why it can't work? Why? 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 Why can't work? Why so aggressive? I just want to know why it can't work. You said it can't work. I just want to know why. Why? People don't know as many Celine Dion songs. Uh -uh. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. People know Celine Dion songs. Okay. They do know Celine Dion's, but you have to understand the audience for verses has always been mostly black people. And black people know Celine, especially the West Indians. We 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 stand Queen Celine. Okay. I don't know what's happening right now. Cause I'm your lady. 20 songs. Can you 20 songs. Okay. Listen, I know 20 Celine songs. You know 20 Celine songs. All, All the I islanders know it. Whatever Great. you reach I'm happy for, for you. me. Mary J. Blige works <laughs> in terms of 20 songs <sighs> that will go contest straight. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I would based have to the, see it. I would have to see it. the audience of verses, it makes sense what you're saying. I would have to see it because... I'm looking at... Knowing the audience of verses... Mariah Carey versus Mary J. Buzz makes sense. Okay. I I don't understand. Um, <laughs> Why? What don't you understand? I just don't understand. I don't... I, I've never put the two of them together in my life. Um, I, I can't fathom why they would be... 
why they would be together at any point in time. And I'm also trying to uh, to imagine the dynamic of the two of them interacting. It's about to be a boring ass versus. Um, because Mariah always comes to functions drunk, um, which could be fun, but you know, huh? And then Mary is always very like reserved. Like she'll give you a little, you know, leg kick at a concert, but like watching Mary in like a interview type of setting, like Mary's very reserved. So I'm like, I, I think part of what makes versus work is the people's personalities. And I don't know, like, unless they really are like good friends behind the scenes or something like that, I would be kind of like, okay, so Lord knows I don't want to sit and watch a bunch of people play ballads and be boring. Like I need some excitement. Okay. I need, I need some judge. And I just don't know that those two are going to give it to me. So I, I, would I tune in if that's what they end up announcing? For sure. I want to see it. I want to. I want to see what they're doing, but that that again is a weird pairing to me. I would. I would never think to pair those two together at all. Because I'm. I'm looking at um. Mariah's songs. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. To do what? To pair her with Celine Dion? Nope. You, you keep going with that. Yeah, <laughs> I am going to keep going with that. Yeah, that's correct. Because that 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 seems logical in my mind. I can imagine that. That's fine. Two classy wine drinking women. I'm I'm with it. <laughs> Mary, Mary could be classy. Okay. <laughs> she she has the ability to be yes, classy. Yes, Mary Mary is a classy woman. I'm not saying that she's not. I'm just saying the the musical content is a little it's a little different for me in terms of, of what Mary brings versus what Mariah brings. I but think that would be awesome. I I will reserve my final opinion until I see it, if it does in fact um manifest into that but at the moment i'm currently on the fence to be honest because if it's not celine dion whitney houston's dead so i'm not sure who we're paying mariah with to be honest mary j blige just doesn't seem like a good a good combo to me but you know it's whatever mm-hmm. what i can be honest but it would be big if they got mariah carey and mary j blige to do this because those are two like I mean, it would be big in the sense of those would probably be like the biggest artists that they've ever had on there. Yes. So it would be big in that sense. I, I still don't know that I would want to, I, I would enjoy it, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And I, I, I'm very willing to come back to the podcast and say that I was wrong if I do in fact end up being wrong. Okay. I don't think I will be, but if I end up being wrong, I will, I will openly admit that I was in fact wrong. Also in this hypothetical battle, who's winning? Um. Uh. I think it's um. Mary eleven nine. I I do feel Mary as well. Mary eleven nine. It's, not, it's not, it'll be close. I don't know if it's eleven. I don't know if I'll give. I don't know if it's eleven nine. It might be a square ten ten. But I, I feel, well, I guess that's a tie. Um, <laughs> it, it depends on what, on what Mariah plays, but I feel like I still would give it. Uh, I was looking at to, Mariah's, because um, you, you have When You Believe, you have Hero, you have One Sweet Day. You know what? You I have Touch My Body, you have You know what? Heartbreaker. I think Mary and Mariah is such a weird pairing, because like 
Mariah has a lot of like sweet ballads and like wedding dance kind of songs. Mary got like, let me dance. Like once Mary hit, come on, everybody get on up. Cause like it's over. I don't care what Mariah's playing after that. I don't care at all. Yeah. But like I, what but I, I, I do and hollerating then the dancery is gonna send the place up. I don't care but, what Mariah gonna play after that. But Mary does have a, a couple ballads. That's fine, but Mary has dance music. That's what's gonna get the people pumping. I get it, but she has ballads too. That's what great. I'm and Mariah only has ballads, which is why again this pairing is confusing to me. She has, Mariah has hip hop. Hip hop. Um, what are they? Features. What are they? Features. She don't have a whole song. I don't want to hear it. I know Mar- Mariah and um, Ghostface be awesome. Mar- get off. All right, let's wrap this podcast up because I know you're, about, you're not about to sit up here and talk to me about no damn Mariah and Ghostface. Good night. Um, it's been great, people. Um, I will not be spoken to as if I'm foolish. Um, it is late and I am over it. But I'm not playing this game with you. Not Meek, not at Meek, this time of night. Meek Mills is song Mariah. He said in his intro, "Turn this thing off." <laughs> I don't. He said, it. "I did songs with Where Mariah." Where is the end button? Jesus of Nazareth! I'm turn. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot, Mark. What you're not getting ready to do is but, tell me about some unreleased Mika Mariah song. I don't want to hear it. But he said it. He said it. I, mean, I care Mariah. what he I'm saying. He said it in the intro. And it's songs Mariah. That's fine. Where are they? Where are they? I think he did do it. Where? See, now I got, now I got, got, got me Googling. <sighs> I apologize to the listeners who are going through this with me because this conversation is just delved into <laughs> stupid. Like why, we're just, why is it stupid? We're in the stupid deep end, but Mark insists on trying to tell me about a Mika Mariah song that I don't know that I wish you would not play because we don't know what it is. No, ma'am. No. Just no. Yes, it was. Triumphant. Triumphant. What is it? It's Mariah Carey with um, Rick, Rick Ross. And- where, 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 where is it? Where is it? Where is it? If Mariah Carey turned that song on, I'm gonna turn her off. Like, mm-mm. But, since I've never heard this song before in my he, life, what is this? I've never heard it before. See, it's Big Mill. He did songs with Mariah. He said it in the intro. Okay. All right. So that's been great, guys. Um. Um. But, but what are you? Why are you trying to? I'm. I'm over it. I'm. I'm moving on. I'm done. Um, so yeah, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add that's non Mariah and Meek Mill related? Because I'm not, I'm not doing that with you. Okay, I'll just, I'll just do my, uh, my love is fearless section. Thank, thank you so much. So we can wrap this podcast up because I'm, right. I'm done. So this week's my love Mariah is fearless small business slash artist highlight is Citadel Consulting LLC. Ooh, ooh. Business of the sister Michaela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh, Citadel Consulting Consulting. Uh, Citadel Consulting Consulting? Citadel Consulting LLC. You over here trying to talk to me about some Mariah and Meek Mill can't even say the business name right. Innovative strategies to revolutionize your workplace culture. Mm -hmm. Trying Um, to get y'all not sued for racial inappropriateness at the workplace. What it says here is human resources administration can be an unwieldy burden on employers memorializing staff communications and regulations, managing employee relations, and enforcing policies in a fair but consistent manner. As a result, small to mid-sized employers are navigating the nuances of sensitive employee relations while misinformed 
of their obligations under federal, state, and local law. Citadel will provide fortress guidance on fair and consistent workplace practices with an eye towards inclusive retention and recruitment practices. That is Citadel Consulting. You can find them at citadelllc.com or on myloveisfearless.com. Word, 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 word. All right, catch him. Word, it's been great. Um, this is long. Yeah, it is long. How long is it? Two, two hours. So why are we always on here for two hours? I'd be like, oh my god, we're gonna do it now. I want to have, I want to have, I want to have it every time. We be at two hours. Okay, so you know what? We're just gonna pack this thing up and we're gonna take it home. All right. Um, we love y'all. We miss y'all. We want to see y'all soon. Uh, stay safe. Stay free from the Rona. Um, be good, y'all. Be good. And Un- until next, next time, time, we, we bid, bid you, you adieu. adieu. Uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey, it's hey. the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey, check hey. us out. Hey. It's the All.